0: And let's turn to the book of James. James chapter 1, I commence reading from verse 19. James chapter 1, and we pick it up from verse 19. Know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak. Slow to anger, for the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness, and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. But be doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word, and not a doer, He is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he was like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. If anyone thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue but but deceives his heart, this person's religion is worthless. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their afflictions and to keep oneself unstained from the world. We continue in our study of uh, the book of James and this afternoon we come to verse 22 through to verse 25 and I've said before and I say again that James goal in his letter is to show that true faith will show or evidence itself in practical godly living. True faith will show itself in practical, godly living, and three weeks ago when I was uh, preaching, we had considered verse 21, and in that we considered uh, that true faith is submissive to God's word. True faith brings itself under a God's word and tries or organizes itself under what is being instructed from the word of God. This afternoon our passage, verse 22 through to verse 5, shows to us that true faith obeys God's word. True faith obeys God's word. And as James is building up his argument or his uh, his letter, he's actually centering his thoughts around God's word. And In verse 21, he talks about being submissive to God's word. And in verse 22 through to verse 25, he's now talking about being obedient to that word. So in verse 21, you see that he talked about receiving the word that is the word implanted, which is able to save your souls. And he's referring to the fact that those that have become Christians and the word of God is in them, they must receive or we must receive that word which is implanted, which is able to save our souls. And then he goes on now in verse 22, even all the way to the very end, now this time emphasizing on doing the word. Not just bringing yourself under the word in terms of submission, but emphasizing uh, that that word that has been heard must be reduced into practice. And so we see that as he builds up his argument and uses that analogy of the man looking himself in the mirror, he closes his argument in verse 25 showing us that the hearing of the word accompanied by doing it leads to blessings. It. And it is important to realize that as James is writing this letter, he's addressing church-going people, he's addressing people that are familiar with the scriptures. And he's not writing to, to pagans or unbelievers, uh, but he's writing to those who Frequently or regularly hear the word of God. And so James' argument in our passage, he's addressing those who have this opportunity to hear the word regularly, preached or opened up to them. And his, his challenge is that don't take comfort in simply hearing the word. What you hear must translate into action. You must reduce it into practice. And so, therefore, it's not just enough that I'm not like those unbelievers out there who are not, who do not even have the opportunity to hear the gospel or the, to hear the word, but that we must reduce that into practice. And as I said when we began looking at this letter, he said obviously he had. He was writing to Jews scattered all over and also in a wider application to us. And so, James, as he writes, is also challenging his immediate audience, the Jews, who had many rituals and they would brag most likely into those rituals, those outward rituals. Uh, the, 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 the fact that they belonged to the Jewish uh, nationality, they attended worship in, in the temple. And they were the recipients or the beneficiaries, as it were, of the Torah. But Jude still sees it fit to write to them and challenge them, saying to them, don't just be hearers of the word. You must reduce it into practice. And this is exactly what he's saying to us. That don't just submit yourself to God's word. Don't just hear God's word. Reduce what you hear into practice. And so to hear the word and not to do what, it, what the word says, it leads to deception. But to hear the word and to do what the word says leads to blessings. And this is really what James is saying. And so we'll open up that passage and draw lessons for ourselves this afternoon. The first thing we we see is that obedience is commanded. Obedience is commanded. And this is in the first part of verse 22. But... Be doers of the word. But, be doers of the word. James gives a direct command here. And as he's giving this direct command, he's, he's giving a contrast with where he's coming from. In verse 21, <coughs> he talks of receiving the implanted word which is able to save your souls. And as he talks about putting away filthiness and rampant wickedness, and then he says, receive with meekness the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. And now in verse 22, he begins with, But be doers of the word." Now, James shows us that we accord to receive the implanted word, yes? And as we receive that implanted word, we must now become doers of that which we have received. And he wants to emphasize obedience to the word. And his writing warning his audience, his readers, to pay particular attention, to pay careful attention to the word of God. And he writes to them, he gives this command, be hearers, brother, be doers of the word. And the literal translation is basically, prove yourselves to be doers of of the word. Prove yourselves to be doers of, of the word and and, 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 and and the tenses that james uses in the original in the Greek is it's it's a call to a repeated repeated action and so when James is writing he's basically saying make obedience your way of life make obedience your way of life and make it a habit He he has in mind a person whose life is characterized by this holy energy to do that which the word says. And this doing of the word, this proving yourselves to be doers of the word, is a repeated action. It's not a one off thing, it's a repeated action. It's something you give yourself to do as long as you are alive. And he says be but be doers of the word. In the ancient world it was common for people to to go and hear uh, debates and to go and hear public lectures or public or teachers And if you followed a particular teacher and tried to live out his teachings or what he stood for, you are therefore called a disciple of that particular teacher. And so this is what James is saying. If you are Christians and you begin or you are doing that which Christ You are therefore a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so he's calling attention to obedience as you read the word. And here he's actually bringing it out as a command that you must be doers of the word. And so James, he's, he's driving this point that Going to hear a public lecture or a teacher bring out a lesson, sometimes it was easy for the audience to be captivated with the eloquence or, 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 or the flow of the teaching and simply be mesmerized or be taken with the eloquence and not reducing to practice that which was being communicated. And so James is saying that don't just be satisfied with this sentimental wonder and awe, but rather, as you hear what is being said, reduce that into practice. And so he says, be doers of the word be doers of the word Charles Adon Spajon says this as he makes his comments on this passage he says and I quote I fear we have many such in, in all congregations admiring hearers affectionate hearers attached hearts But all the while unblessed hearers because they are not doers of the word. Admiring hearers, affectionate hearers, attached hearers, but all the while unblessed hearers because they are not doers of the word. End of quote. And really, Spedron's point, it's also as he's making comment on this passage, he's basically saying what James was saying. That obedience to the word will be seen in actions, in how we are responding and doing what the word is saying. We are not just submitting ourselves, bringing ourselves under the word, but eagerly doing that which the word is saying and as a result showing our obedience to the word of God and hence showing that our faith is not just lip service but we are willing to do that which the word is communicating to us. And so we see here that Christianity is a faith relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Christianity is a faith relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ which stems or issues into a Christ-like lifestyle. And the Christian faith is always active and stands in sharp contrast against the religions of the world. Because the Christian faith is is a true living faith. And as you live out your faith, you are basically living your life in what the Bible says and you are doing that which the Bible commands us. True hearing of the word must lead to godly action. True hearing of the word must lead to godly actions. And here we see, we're being reminded of the obedience to God's word. You recall in First Samuel chapter 15 and verse 22, when, when Saul went before Samuel and basically telling him, I do not destroy these animals. Because I, I, I kept them so that they, we can use them for sacrifice in the service to God. Samuel say, responded to Saul in First Samuel fifteen twenty two, that to obey is better than sacrifice. God's word that was clear through Samuel, destroy the Amalekites and everything, all their animals and everything. But Saul thought, well, let's keep some of it. And and when you read the passage, really it was asked for selfish reasons. But Samuel reminds him that when God's word comes and God's word is communicated and God's word is clearly communicated, the instructions that come from the word must cause us to obey God by doing that which he is instructing us to do. And the Lord Jesus Christ in, in Matthew 7, he actually says, not everyone who says, Lord, Lord, we will enter the kingdom of God, but only he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Again, bringing our attention to obedience to the word and showing us that true hearing of the word of God leads to godly action. And so we see here that obedience is being commanded to us and the question that we must wrestle with is how are we redu- are we rather are we reducing god's word as we hear it through the pages of the scriptures into godly actions are we responding in obedience to god when he speaks to us through his word are we seeing godly actions in our life Or we simply submit ourselves by bringing our lives under the instructions of God's word and simply ending there. And not now saying, if this is what God is saying, what does God require me to do in terms of action? So James shows us there that obedience is commanded. But secondly, we see that disobedience is condemned disobedience is condemned the second half of verse 22 all the way to verse 24 But let's begin from uh, the first part of verse 23 but be doers of the word and not hearers only deceiving yourselves for if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer He is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he was like. James now moves to show that disobedience to the word is not welcome. Disobedience is condemned after edging the practice of the word in verse 22 and the first part, he now moves to show why people must do more than mere listening uh, to the truth, mere listening to God's word. He says, And not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. The first part of verse 22. And so as James is writing... In the first part of 22, he gives a command and then for the last half all the way to verse 24, he now is showing that disobedience is condemned and he uses an analogy, a simple analogy to try and show that a person who is simply a mere listener is like one who looks in a mirror and forgets what he looks like. And so when James says, not hearers only, deceiving yourselves, the idea that he has here is the words that he's using. This was used of those who sat passively in an audience and listened to a singer or a speaker. Yes, they were in the audience and sat attentively, but they were passive. But it was also used in the Greek culture or in the Greek literature for those who attended lectures but, would, but never joined the groups. Or well, the more modern understanding will be what is sometimes referred to in universities or college that you come and attend a class, you're basically auditing a class so you, you, you come, sit in a class or in a lecture. You, 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 you want to see whether you truly want to be, to be attending these lessons. So you audit the class. And you, you are required to attend. You are required to listen. But you are not required to do outside study, write assignments, or even do any tests. But at least you are required to sit in that lecture and attentively pay attention to the lecturers. But outside of that, no one expects you to do anything, tests or assignments or submit papers. All you are doing is simply auditing. And what that simply means is, yes, you are serious enough to attend. You are serious enough to endure the hours of the lectures But beyond that, no formal commitment is required of you in terms of submitting papers or sitting tests. And this is what James is really saying. That a Christian who hears the word or who merely hears the word without obeying what the word says makes a serious spiritual error. And that error causes him or her to deceive themselves. And James uses this analogy that you're like a man who looks himself into a mirror and forgets what he looks like. And that analogy is basically what James is trying to, to, to drive at. Is that a person who Takes a quick glance at the scriptures and don't do anything about what the scriptures is saying. Is a black man who looks at himself in the mirror and whether the mirror shows that there's a problem with you, there's some spot or wrinkle on your shirt or there's a date on your face. He doesn't matter. He doesn't care. He simply walks out of the mirror and forget what the mirror was showing. The mirror may may show him a problem. May show him that there's something that needs to be attended to. Your shirt or your collar or your face needs some attention. But he does nothing to fix the problem. And James is saying that the fault is not the mirror. Because the mirror tells it as it is. The fault is with the person who sees himself in the mirror and does nothing about it. The problem is with the one who looks in the mirror, not the mirror. And he quickly forgets. And so James is saying that this person is not a forgetful hearer. is a person... who... has poor priorities... James is not talking about a person who has a poor memory... You know, they've seen themselves in the mirror and then they walk away they forget... but he's describing a person with poor priorities... he doesn't remember what he saw in the mirror... Because he's, as far as he's concerned, that's not important. And so therefore, while well, the mirror showed that the face needs some attention, the shirt needs some attention, it doesn't matter. I can do what I want. And this is James's point. That disobedience to God's word is condemned. Because the word brings to us what needs attention in our lives. But because of poor priorities, we simply disregard what God says and focus on other priorities of our lives. The problem of forgetting God's word and God's instruction is recorded throughout the Old Testament. In fact, throughout the scriptures. You you remember in, in the Old Testament, in Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 12, when Moses is now addressing the nation, they're about to enter the promised land. And he writes to them in Deuteronomy chapter 6, and saying, now when you go in that land, and you are now settled, Watch yourselves that you do not forget the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt, the house of slavery. Moses' concern there is that it, it will be easy for you to have poor priorities the moment you feel settled in the land that God is taking you into. And you may easily forget what God has said, what God has done, what God has instructed. And Moses in Deuteronomy 6 writes to the nation of Israel. Two chapters later in that same book, in chapter 8, again Moses writes the same thing. That you shall remember all the way which the Lord your God has led you in the wilderness these 40 years that he might humble you. Again, Moses writes in Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 1 and 2, that remember how God led you through the wilderness. And may that bring humbleness in you as you settle in the land. And so really what we are seeing here is James is addressing us is the fact that disobedience to God's word is condemned. God's word is like a mirror that reveals to us the very thoughts and intentions of our hearts. It shows us our ugly self-centeredness, our attitudes, it, it exposes our pride, it com- confronts our contempt for others, it confronts our lack of compassion for others. God's word hits our, our sinful pride. It uproots our rotted, rotten speech. It uncovers our deception, our greed. It exposes what is in us. And it's basically calling attention that these are the things we need to work on. But if we simply take a quick glance at the word and we do it once in a while and rushes out of the door and continue with life as usual, we will fail to be obedient to what God is saying. We will be like that man who sees himself in the mirror and forgets because of poor priority. Hearing the word without doing what it says is the default mode of our fallen natures. It's a default mode of our fallen nature because the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, the word of God, confronts our sinfulness. It confronts our very nature. And our default mode is to, to rebel against the word of God. James is saying, no, God condemns disobedience. To be doers of the word, we have to give it more than passing attention. It requires deliberate focus and hard work to apply it personally. Hearers of the word and simply ends there fail to give time and attention to what God is saying. The correct application of God's word must always be built on correct interpretation and understanding of the word. And if you are to study the word, just to feel, to be filled with head knowledge and without applying the word. What you are doing as a Christian is you are basically short-circuiting God's purposes or God's purpose for giving his word to you. God's word is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. And as you give attention to the word, you will see that God's word demands obedience. It calls for obedience. And therefore, disobedience is condemned. And thirdly, we, we see in the third place that obedience is commended. Obedience is commended. Verse 25 But the one who looks into the perfect law the law of liberty and perseverance being no hearer who forgets but a doer who acts he will be blessed in his doing. He will be blessed in his doing. James calls attention to the blessing of practicing what is heard through the word. He gives this contrast. Again, he shows verse 23 and 24. And then in verse 25, he says, But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. And so the Greek words or rendering that James uses there simply simply means to, to stoop and look carefully at something when the ESV says, but the one who looks into the perfect law, the original says, the one who stoops and looks carefully at the word. This, This is the same word that is used in John chapter 20, verse 5 and in verse 11 of John 20. It was used of John and of Mary, stooping to look carefully into the empty tomb after the resurrection. When they got the news that Jesus had resurrected and went there, they stooped, looked carefully, scrutinized, examined to see whether truly Jesus had risen from the dead. So this was not a casual, quick look. It was examining, scrutinizing, looking at the tomb, this empty tomb. What is it that should convince us that truly he's risen from the dead? And as they looked at the the grave uh, clothes, the empty tomb, they were able to say, truly this is what he had said. They scrutinized carefully to see if the body of Jesus was inside. And then in First Peter chapter 1 and verse 12, it's also the, the, the same word that is used in First Peter chapter 1, verse 12. But this time it's used of angels longing to look into the matters of our salvation. When Peter is writing and he's talking about the Holy Spirit and his work, in the last part he says, Angels longed to see into this matter. It's the same word that is used there by James to stoop and look carefully at something. And so what James is really saying that this is not a quick glance at God's word. This is not rushing through the study of the word. But it's a careful, intent, scrutinizing, examining deeply what the word is saying. And James is saying, the one who does that will be blessed in doing it. Because as he digs into the word and is seeing what the word is saying and is seeing what God is saying and as God the Holy Spirit is convicting him of what he needs to do, he profits from the study of the word and as he profits from the study of the word, he reduces that into practice and therefore God is confirming what he had says in his word in the life of that individual. The one who hears the word and becomes an effectual doer of the word will be blessed. Notice in verse 25 that James also changes terminologies in terms of, in his reference to the word. In verse 18, verse 21, 22, and 23, he basically uses the word in reference to God's word in verse 25 he now refers to it as the perfect law the law of liberty he doesn't use the word, the, the word he's been using just the word referring to the scriptures now he says it is the perfect law the law of liberty the other version would say the law of freedom why does he do this Because he's mindful that he's writing to a Jewish audience. An audience that understood the scriptures or read the scriptures. An audience that kept the the Torah, steeped into the Torah. An audience that would have studied the law of God. And would have taken pride in the fact that we know the law. We know what the Bible says, rather what, the, what God's word says. We are not like these Gentiles who are ignorant of the law. James knew his audience and he writes to them and wants to prove to them and show them that to keep the law outwardly while your hearts are far from God does not profit you in any way. You can keep it outwardly, 100% outwardly, but you will not benefit, you will not profit from that because your heart is far away from God. And James wants to show them that the word of God, the law of God brings liberty. It brings liberty because it is the promise of the new covenant where God had said in Ezekiel that I will write my law on their hearts. And so James wants to show them that the the freedom that comes in, in obeying God's word accompanied by the Holy Spirit profits those who do and obey it. And he goes on to add, and those who persevere, showing that this person who studies God's word and obeys God's word and applies what is reading, not just for one day or two days, but two days rather, but the long haul, will be blessed in doing so. And James, when he uses the word persevere, he's basically saying, obedience to God's word is a long-term approach. It's a long-term approach that requires discipline and diligence if you are going to reap the benefits. It's not a one-off thing. It's something you do continuously on a long haul. and That will require discipline and diligence to see what God is saying in His Word. It reminds us of Psalm 1, verse 1 through to, to verse 3. Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor stand in the path of sinners, nor sit in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of God. And in his law he meditates day and night. He will be like a tree firmly planted by the streams of waters, which, do not yields, its, which yields its fruits in season, and its, leaves, its leaf does not wither. And in whatever he does, He prospers. God's word applied to our hearts by the Holy Spirit frees us from the bondage of sin, shows us what God requires of us, and also shows us that the the word of God is profitable And the man of God will be thoroughly equipped for every good way. But also, we see that the Word of God, if applied at the the thought at the level of our thoughts, will help us to overcome our sins, because all sin stems from our hearts. As the Lord Jesus Christ will say in Mark 7, what makes a man unclean is what comes out of them, not what goes into them. And so if God's word is what we saturate ourselves into, it will help us at the thought level, at the heart level, to fight sin and therefore it will help us to fight sin even outwardly in our actions. And therefore James is showing us that he who does and who obeys God's word and perseveres in that, he will benefit from the word of God in the long run. True faith obeys God's word. That's what shows that that faith is true. It's not just submitting to what it says. This is what it says. Therefore, I will not do this. It also shows us this is what God requires of us to do. Therefore. Do it. One's motive in studying God's word becomes evident by the response they give to God's word. And if the study of the word is is simply for head knowledge, your life will be characterized of disobedience to God's word. But if your motive in studying God's word is that so that you understand what he's saying and apply what God is saying, it will lead to godly actions. And the question, as we conclude, is are you obedient to God's word? We are a people that are privileged to hear God's word being explained to us week in, week out, Sunday in, Sunday out, in the course of the week, through the books we have. But the question is, do you reduce that into obedience, into action, into godly action? Or simply like the Jews, we pride in the fact that we know the word, we understand the word, but there's nothing to show forth in our day to day lives. And this is James' concern that true faith will show itself in obedience to God's word. And as you obey God's word, godly actions will be seen in your life. Why? Because it's time you come to God's word and dip yourself into God's word and you just don't do a quick glance at God's word. You dive into God's word. You meditate on God's word. Your actions will show and your life will be characterized of godly obedience to God's word. So how is your Bible intake? Do you spend time in the word? And as you spend time in the word, do you ask yourself the question, what does God want me to do? Therefore, by the power of the Holy Spirit, let me do it. Or as a hymn writer puts it, the hymn will be singing in closing, trust and obey. For there is no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. Amen.